Let's bow our heads together and open to prayer. Father, we praise you today that you did give your life for us, that you're the rock of all ages, of all eternity. You do not change. You do not shift. You do not fade. We have no hope whatsoever, Lord, without you. We have no joy whatsoever without you. We have no peace without you. We have no good without you. And with you we have everything. Your word tells us we have been blessed in every possible way because of Jesus Christ. And we ask, Lord, tonight that as we head into this weekend, you'd speak to us in a very, very special way. I believe, Lord, you have something extremely important to speak to our hearts tonight. Open our hearts, Lord, to understand the word of God this evening. Open our hearts to be responsive to the word of God this evening. Help us not to be like so many, Lord, before us who have heard the word but have hardened their heart towards it, who have heard the word but have grown dull towards it, who have heard the word but have grown apathetic and complacent and listless towards the eternal marvelous truth of God. What an incredible privilege, Lord, it is to hear the word of God, to understand the word of God, and to live the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what I have to share with you tonight is, um, it's been brewing on my mind for about five months. And I've been waiting for the right time. I think tonight's the right time. I've been waking up in the mornings and during the day and in the evening This message has been on my mind, this passage of Scripture, a very unique passage of Scripture in Psalm 106 that we're going to look at this evening. And this message, I believe, is very, very timely, very relevant to the time in which we live, and very significant for saving you and I in the present world in which we live. It's entitled, Deadly Associations and the Termination Project. I'd like to start this evening by reading to you from Psalm 106. I'm going to be reading from the Berkeley New Testament, which is the text that really hammered home to me about five months ago. Hallelujah! Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness lasts forever. Who can put into words the mighty deeds of the Lord? Who can make known all His praise? Blessed are those who faithfully observe justice and who practice righteousness at all times. Remember me, Lord, with your favor, the favor you show to your people, and visit me with your salvation, that I may share in the welfare of your children, enjoying the happiness of your people and the glory of your heritage. We and our fathers have sinned. We have willfully done wrong. We have behaved wickedly. Our fathers did not appreciate the miracles in Egypt. They did not consider the endless tokens of your loving kindness. Instead, they rebelled near the sea, the Red Sea. And yet you delivered them for your own sake that you might exhibit your mighty power. You rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. 
You led them through the depths and through a desert. You rescued them from hostile hands. You redeemed them from the enemy's grasp. For the waters engulfed their enemies. Not one of them survived. Maybe you recall if you ever saw the movie The Ten Commandments, but that's the passage that we're just reading. God delivered the children of Israel after 400 years of suffering in Egypt. <clears throat> and he delivered them through mighty miracles, one plague after another, after another, on the mightiest nation on the earth. And yet not one plague touched the children of Israel living in the same land. <clears throat> and then God took two million people. That's how many people God led out into the desert. And the Egyptian army begins chasing them. And the, all the Jewish people are afraid they're going to be slaughtered in the desert. <clears throat> and Moses through the power of God, parts the Red Sea. This was not just a little bit of water. This was a very deep and mighty part of the sea. How do we know this? Because the entire Egyptian army was crushed when God brought the sea together. A mud puddle doesn't crush an army of thousands and thousands of soldiers, chariots, and horses. And in one mighty miracle, God destroyed the entire army. Then they believed his promises and they sang of his glory, but they quickly forgot what God had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel or advice, for they lusted excessively in the desert and they tempted God in the wilderness. So he let them have what they wanted. <clears throat> but he sent leanness within their soul. They were jealous of Moses in the camp and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord. And the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and his family and his tribe. It covered up Abraham's company. A fire broke out among the assembly and the flame consumed the wicked among them. They fashioned a golden calf at Horeb. They worshipped the molten image. They exchanged the glory of the image of an ox that munches grass. And once again, they forgot God, their deliverer, who had done such marvelous things in Egypt, such miracles in the land, such awe-inspiring deeds at the Red Sea. We were talking tonight about our Red Sea, how quickly we forget the cross, how quickly we forget Christ, how quickly we forget what he's done in our lives and what we owe to him. Then he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen, stepped into the breach before God to turn away God's wrath from wiping them out? Then they spurned and hated the desirable land that God told them he would give them. They would not rely on his promise. They complained while in their tents and they wouldn't listen to the voice of the Lord. They joined themselves to the idol Baal and ate the sacrifices to lifeless idols. Thus they made the Lord angry by their practices. So a plague broke out among them. But when Phineas got up and intervened, the plague was stopped. This action was counted for righteousness to his successive generations. Then they angered the Lord at the waters of Meribah, which made it hard for Moses on their account. Made it hard. Hard. He didn't get to enter the promised land. When they aroused his temper, he spoke indiscreetly with his lips. And this is the passage. They did not exterminate the nations as the Lord had commanded them. But they associated with those pagans and they acquired their habits. 
And they offered sacrifices to their idols, which became seductive bait to them. Yes, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, till the land was polluted with blood. They were defiled by what they did. They were immoral in their practices. Therefore, the Lord's anger burned against his people. He regarded his heritage with disgust. I have not been able to get this passage out of my mind for five months. These verses. They did not exterminate the nations as the Lord commanded them. But instead they associated with these pagans and acquired the habits. I want to talk with you tonight about the deadly danger of association with the wrong people and the wrong things. This is an unbelievable passage of scripture, but also history. Those who do not learn from history are always destined to repeat it. And we are seeing that unfold right now in our nation, and I won't get into that tonight. But we've seen it with the people of God time and time and time again. There are things in our lives that God wants us To terminate. There are relationships. There are associations. There are habits that we've acquired from the pagan culture around us. And instead of disassociating, instead of terminating it, we've wallowed in it. And it's destroying our lives. It's destroying our families. It's destroying our spiritual growth, our spiritual peace. And I want to talk with you about that this evening. God's people Israel allowed themselves to get infected with the values and the sinful cultural habits of the world around them. Because they didn't do what God told them to do. And they ended up destroying themselves and their children. They associated with the wrong people. And the godless habits and the godless values of the people and nations around them rubbed off on them. And as a result, they developed the culture's terrible sinful habits and it brought about their own destruction. They first did not destroy. They did not exterminate. They did not terminate. They then associated. They then acquired. And it brought unbelievable destruction on their nation. Now, <clears throat> you may not think this is a fair comparison, but, but I look at the nation that you and I live in, and we're, we're, we're edging real close to 50 million slaughtered babies. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm just going to pause on this for just a moment. I realize there's a lot going on in the world right now, and we've just had probably a potential chemical gassing of Assad's own people. 1,426 people dead. And it's awful, and it's terrible, and it's wretched, and it's pathetic. But to have these politicians stand on the television, on a podium, and pontificate when these same bastards stand by while we slaughter, by law, 50 million of our own children in this nation, it's a little pathetic, if you ask me. I can't even stand to look at these people, let alone have them rule over my nation. It is sickening. 
And it's pathetic. And God will judge this nation. We are destroying our own children, sacrificing them on the God and the altar of materialism. How many families have been ruined? Children left on their own, bringing shame to their family, rebelling against whatever good they may have been taught because mom and dad are too busy chasing the almighty dollar. For God said man cannot serve God and money. You'll love one and despise the other. And yet we live in a nation <clears throat> that claims lip service to loving their children, and yet we love money and our comforts more. <clears throat> we love our possessions more. We regularly put ourselves in tremendously financial harm's way because we cannot say no to our own greed and our own covetousness and our own lust. And people, lives are being destroyed. And this text, I'm telling you, every single day, <clears throat> I just wake up, I just see it everywhere. And I know God wants to work in our lives so that it is not true of us. There is a different path. We can take a different path. I'd like to read to you just a few extra verses that I, uh, passages that I, I want to show you this evening. The first is found in Psalm 1, verse 1. <clears throat> it's interesting that this is the first chapter of the, of the whole entire Psalms. Blessed, which means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man or woman who walks and lives not in the counsel and advice of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, their values, their purposes, their habits, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Blessed is the person who doesn't associate with these kind of people. See, if you're going to walk with God, and that's, I believe, why you're here, because you want to learn to walk with God. You want to learn to walk the narrow road that leads to life. You can't just hold on to the hand of God, but you must also let go of the hand of the pagan world. You have to walk away. You have to evaluate your associations and We'll get into real practically tonight <clears throat> what some of those look like. But rather, his or her delight and desires are in God's word, God's law, his precepts, his instructions, and the teachings of God. They habitually meditate, ponder, and study by day and night. And they will be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in season. Its leaf will not fade or wither, and everything they do will prosper and come to maturity. That's the life that God has for you and I. That's the path that God has for us to walk. Luke chapter 6. We'll get into this tonight as well. Listen to this. <clears throat> 
There is trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. Saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors also praised the false prophets. How miserable for you when everyone says nice things about you. For that is exactly what their fathers said about the false prophets. Woe to you. When everyone speaks fairly and handsomely of you and praises you, for even so their forefathers did their false prophets. Listen, we're going to get into this tonight. We're going to talk about the power of peer pressure. We're going to talk the impact that it's had on many lives here. I'm going to share some stories this evening. But I'm telling you, there's so many individuals in this room who have done some of the craziest, most bizarre things because they wanted to be liked. They wanted others to like them. And they embraced so many terrible habits that almost destroyed and ruined their life. And for years, by the way, created great pain in your life and the lives of people who loved you. You caused great pain and sorrow in the lives of others who loved you because you longed for the approval of pagans. People whose opinion don't matter at all. They didn't care about you at all. But you got around them. You were around them. And the more you were around them, they influenced you. Their values, their habits infected you. They rubbed off on you. And we find this verse, and this one says it so clearly. 1 Corinthians 15, 13. To not be so deceived and misled... Evil companionships, communion, and associations corrupt and deprave good manners, morals, and character. Do not be fooled by those who say such things. If you listen to them, you will start acting like them. Think TV shows, music, things you've read. If you truly keep listening, they will influence your attitudes, your values, your choices, and your behaviors. That's a fact. Some of you are playing real close to the edge. You're playing with fire. You won't get away with it. You never get away with it. Bad company, bad associations in their time always corrupt you. They will corrupt you. It's interesting to think about a computer. Most of you have one or you have a smartphone that's really just a computer. But if you have a laptop or you have one at, uh, you know, a computer at home, <clears throat> all day long there's people trying to hack. There's people sending you junk. They're trying to seduce you to open a file and open a letter that they disguise to you and then infects your computer. <clears throat> all the time. The devil's no different. He uses people. He uses TV. He uses shows. He uses things to entice you, to entice you, to infect you and plant seeds that will turn to sin and destroy your life. He despises you. He hates your guts. He wants you dead. And he wants you dead in the most painful way possible, slowly torturing you by your own out-of-control passions and desires. He'll ruin your life. And this is what he does. It's his specialty. And it's how he works. I got a call recently from a young person in California who uh, found some of my messages online. I don't really know them. 
But they first they, they wrote to me, reached out for help, <clears throat> and then we visited on the phone. Young lady who <clears throat> knows Christ, been beginning to follow Christ, and had a has a a really growing, wonderful relationship with a, a Christian young man. <clears throat> but she um, wrote in the email that she was really embarrassed to tell me uh, what was going on. So when we got on the phone, I just very gently, very carefully <clears throat> drew her out. <clears throat> she started crying. She said, Mark, I, I work at this place and there's this guy there. She said, Mark, I, I, when I start following the Lord, I determined I wanted to be sexually pure. And <clears throat> I have been in this relationship with, this, with my guy that I'm involved with. We've even talked about getting married. But this person <clears throat> at work kept working on me, kept working on me. And all of a sudden, I have this out-of-control secret relationship that my boyfriend doesn't know about, my friends don't know about. I don't know what to do. <clears throat> all because of who she was hanging out with. <clears throat> so we talked. We talked a little bit about her upbringing and some of the difficulties there because I wanted to help ease her burden. I wanted to help her understand that you can still go forward, kiddo. You, this does not ruin your life, but we got to make some really hard terminations. <clears throat> We're going to need to terminate your current phone and get a new one. Do not give it to anyone except a small circle of people you trust. We need to terminate this relationship. We need to terminate the job. <clears throat> and then we need to go open up with two individuals, your pastor, who I know you can trust, and the young man you're involved with, and just tell them, let them know if they can call me. I'll get in a conference call if you want. I'll help you walk through it. I got a wonderful report. Actually, the, the, the pastor wrote me, and it was so encouraging. Just like that, the devil will destroy your life. You know, the culture this week, <clears throat> the culture had a bigger wake-up call, actually, than Syria. Her name is Miley Cyrus. Now, I'm really glad I don't watch that crap. But I read about it. And I know exactly what happened. I read it enough to know exactly what happened. I can't even imagine being her father. He's a believer. I can't imagine what he must be thinking right now. I can't imagine what she's thinking. But you know what shocked America? What happened to Hannah? What happened? Well, that's easy. Terrible, pathetic associations. That's what happened. You don't go from little Hannah Montana... To that, I mean, she even eclipsed Lady Gaga. That's real tough to do. That's, wow. What happened? You see, the, the, whole, the whole nation all of a sudden is talking about it. It's, it's on all, almost every news program. It's, per, it's pretty much dying down, although today I still saw news reports covering the whole thing. <clears throat> that it was vulgar, that it was tasteless. Really? Really? Beyonce's been vulgar for years! Give me a break, man! you got to be kidding me! Gaga's been vulgar for years! MTV, VH1's been vulgar for years! Have you ever watched... Some of the rap videos? Come on! Oh, this false outrage. 
Mom and dad, you've been paying for it for cable, television, for years. And it's been going on and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, Miley, oh, my gosh, what happened? Well, because she personified once sweetness and her downfall is like, oh, my God. You know, she didn't, she didn't start out Madonna. <laughs> Madonna's always been whacked. But Miley started out <clears throat> like, like the girl you'd want to raise. You know, and, 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 and seem to have good morals and some stability. And all of a sudden, she just parades herself like, are you sick, girl? Are you demented? Are you, are you, I mean, you're not even Lindsay Lohan. <clears throat> what happened? Take heed when you think you stand, you fall. You fall. You know, I have permission to share something with you tonight, and, and uh, I just want to share this with you because this person, God has just done so much in their life. And this is <clears throat> my daughter-in-law's story, and I didn't know it until uh, about five days ago. And uh, I love her to pieces, and nothing will ever change that. I hope Leslie knows that. But she wrote to me, she said, Mark, Deadly Associations, that's the perfect title for my past. If my life were a movie, that would be the title. <clears throat> Those of you who know Leslie, I don't, I don't think you're going to believe this. I want to make it very clear, first of all, that my parents, and I know her parents, and this is true, were incredibly loving and raised me very well. <clears throat> they were believers. They loved the Lord. I was a very obedient child to them till I was 13 or 14. They brought me up to know Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Our Lakeville location bought the church building that Leslie grew up in. It used to be the Evangelical Free Church off Highway 5 in County 46. <clears throat> I knew there were certain lines I would never cross, but God's hand was protecting me. I could have suffered some enormous consequences for my behavior. So I guess in a nutshell, I had friends from elementary school Move along with me to junior high when I was 13. A lot of new things were introduced to me there at school. And I was suddenly surrounded by friends that were getting into boys, sex, sexual interaction, alcohol, eating disorders, cutting, and pot. This is 13-year-old. This is 13. Halfway through my seventh grade, I had made tons of friends and most of them started dating. I had a couple boyfriends, but we barely talked. I remember when things changed for me, my friends started to get into their parents' liquor cabinets and we mixed all the liquors in a water bottle and had sips. I thought this was harmless. This was all in the seventh grade. My friends also started becoming sexually active at this point. I at least refused to accept that as a good decision and I mostly stayed away from that. <clears throat> Eighth grade was a game changer. My sister Lauren moved on to high school and I had some privacy. She'd watched me closely in junior high, but here's where I developed some terrible habits. My friends started to go to parties the older kids had, and of course I couldn't miss that. I lied to my parents more times than I could remember about where I was and would sleep over at random places. I was getting completely drunk every weekend and blacking out. I also started smoking cigarettes while I drank. I was introduced to pot at this age. I would frequently get high and then drink. We also took Adderall, 
which is a drug for ADHD, and then drink, and that would also encourage a better high. I was skipping school, writing my own forged notes to excuse me as well. My friends and I got so good at deception. Eighth grade is also when I started to really care about my body image. I barely ate. I always ate dinner, but I didn't always keep it down. I was into making myself throw up after most every meal. It became consuming. I even did this after I drank to try to stop being drunk because I was so dizzy. My parents found out a lot in eighth grade. My sister lovingly approached me and then told my parents. I hated it for a while, but she pretty much helped me out of that place for a time. That didn't stop me, though. I started dating what would be a long-term boyfriend in ninth grade. We were dating on and off for six years. He knew right away I'd never have sex with him, but I allowed things to go much further than I ever planned. I continued to drink, smoke, but I had matured through a crazy stage and having a boyfriend calm me down a little bit. As I got older, I had these same friends and we continued to get into trouble. Oddly enough, I got straight A's. I played soccer, basketball through high school. I never let my drinking get in the way of that. College continued the madness because I always associated with the same people. I would party on Saturday, go to church hungover. I lived a double life. And I always had. I had friends who loved the Lord, were making good choices, and friends who were the opposite of that. Friends like these almost destroyed me. I remember so many times I'd cry in the shower after a night out. I'd apologize to God and promise that after college I'd change. It was horrible. I'm thankful for God's faithfulness. He was chasing me for years. I've always felt him tugging and making me want more. My last night of my past was me throwing up in the toilet on Cinco de Mayo, which also happens to be my wedding anniversary. In college, my sophomore year, I like to think of it as throwing up all the junk in my life. I was a new person in the morning after praying all night. That's when I completely gave my life to Christ, never looked back. I lost 95% of my friends after that. I walked away. I was stunned. Doesn't change one, one iota how much I love her to pieces. I'm so thankful what God did in her life. But I want you to understand something about the crowd. Bad company most often looks like the good crowd, but they're not. You know, people tell you don't get in with the wrong people, the bad people. The bad people look like good people. If you would have known probably some of Leslie's friends, you'd have just thought, wow, they're just wonderful. You know why? Because just about, not everybody, just about everybody in high school and college lies and lives a double life. See, there's a secret code, and we all knew it. I knew it in high school. Oh, you smile at the teachers. You smile at your parents. They're like, like, you're just pulling the wool over their eyes. They're all such dumb lemmings. And young people know they're stupid. And we're out there sneaking around and using stuff and doing stuff that can hurt people, that does hurt people, and they don't often know a thing. Because of our associations. That if we had the guts, if we had the God-centeredness to recognize these are pagans and I need to terminate my association with them. I need to walk away. They're bad in my life. I'm acquiring their habits. I'm acquiring their destructive way of life. I'm going to acquire in time their venereal diseases. If I don't walk away. If I don't walk away and go after God, it almost destroys your life every single time.
Sometimes, you know, some of you may think to yourself, wow, Mark, you know, I wish I would have had wonderful parents and they loved the Lord and that's partly why I wanted to read Leslie's story. You see, it takes more than wonderful parents who love the Lord. It takes the courage on the part of any of our parents here tonight to have the guts to refuse your children having bad friends. It takes the guts and the courage to determine I'm not going to surround them with fools and idiots. Many children when they're 13 or 14, they don't quite have that understanding yet. They don't have, but you know, we're trusting Parents are trusting. We think they're going to be all right. And I can just tell you, I could bring one person up this stage after another. I could tell you my own story. I could have story after story after story. We all of us, we were in school. We lied, man. We lied. We lived a double life. Many people are living a double life today. What things do you need to terminate in your life? I want to give you a termination project. I want to give you a termination project. And I want you to think about these things. I'm urging you, think about these things this weekend. Are there relationships and friendships you need to terminate? <clears throat> now, I want to explain something so that you don't misunderstand the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> and by the way, it's going to come at the end of time. God is going to judge this world. And he's going to exterminate the wicked. That's the truth. That is not our job. That is not our job. That is God's. In Islam, they exterminate non-believers. And that's what's going on around the world. That is not Christianity. In the Old Testament, God judged the entire world with a flood. And he destroyed the wicked. God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. And he destroyed the wicked. And when God gave the Jews, the Israelites, the land, he knew that the land he was given them is polluted with these really wicked, godless people who build idols and they have fire at the bottom and they slide their own little children down into the flames and burn them alive. I want you to get rid of those nations so you don't become like them. God was using the Israelites in partnership with God's own plan to bring judgment on them. <clears throat> in this time that you and I live, we are not called to kill. We are not called to exterminate. We are not called to bring God's judgment on others. We are called to live upright, godly, moral lives and put to death our own flesh and our godless deeds and terminate those things that would lead us away from God, from good, from blessing, from joy, from peace, from righteousness. We have the same militant attitude but towards sinful things, not towards human beings. It's with that attitude that we need to consider, you know what? There's relationships and friendships. <clears throat> I need to terminate. I need to stop them. I need to stop them. I can't tell you how many young people I've counseled over the years. I mean, I've been doing this a long, long time, and we'll talk about their life, some of the struggles we're having, <clears throat> and inevitably, often, we'll begin to talk about who they hang out with. 
what's going on in their life. And some of the temptations that they're being led into. And so then we begin to discuss, all right, you need to end those relationships. Any of you here who've ever been, you think this is radical, then you've never heard much about AA. You are not going to succeed staying away from alcohol if you don't walk away from your alcohol drinking friends. It's a lost cause. You have to find new individuals, which is what the church is so important, individuals who want to walk this journey with you. Not people who are perfect, but people who are trying to go after God and live uprightly. That's why we need a body of believers. Are there TV shows and viewing habits that you need to terminate? You see, television shows are people. They are characters that you are associating with. You never thought of it like that before, but they are. Just for fun today, I would talk, walk down memory lane for a moment. <clears throat> we were, uh, Kathy and I, you know, <clears throat> we're trying to reach the world with the gospel. We're trying to reach the cities. We're trying to help people come to know Christ. And we're trying to raise our four children for Christ. And we're trying to both be on mission and walk uprightly. And, I would, and I'd be the first to say, I'm not sure we found the perfect balance. <clears throat> but I know what Kathy and I were trying to do. And by the grace of God, we raised four children. I was just with a man the other day who works with young people. And he said, Mark, so are you saying to me your kids never came off the rails? I'm saying they never came off the rails. Not even their teenagers, not even their teenagers. We, we put them on a little track when they were young and we kept pushing them and we got behind them and we affirmed them and we kept chugging and we got in front and we pulled them. We did what we ever have to do <clears throat> to raise them for Christ. These were some of the TV shows we watched growing up, and I'll talk about some of the ones we didn't watch. First of all, we never had cable. Still don't. I still don't. Never had cable. My my kids never knew what MTV... I mean, they knew what MTV was, never watched it. The Cosby Show. Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, that's that's risque. MacGyver. Little House on the Prairie. Dr. Quinn. Family Matters. Full House. Occasionally... Tim Allen's Tool Time, whatever the name of that show was. <clears throat> Tiny Toons, Tailspin, Louie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, Darkwing Duck, Barney, Lamb Chop, Smurfs, when they were really little, Rainbow Bright, See the Shiny Light, My Little Pony, My Little Pony, Pokemon, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? And then Micah got older. Uh, you know, Micah reminded me today he was 13 when Jeremy and Celeste got married, so... Yeah, I forgot there was that big a gap. So, boy, we stepped out and he watched Lost in Smallville with his mother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Here's some of the ones we didn't watch. I really wanted to go dig up a list today just to blow your minds. Friends. Why not friends? The values on friends, are you kidding me? Sex in the city, are you kidding me? The Sopranos, The Simpsons, Married with Children, The Family Guy, Jerry Springer, Oprah, MTV, VH1, Baywatch, Xena, Warrior Princess, and a multitude of other shows. Why was I a nutcase about this stuff? Often my daughter Jessica reminded me, and by the way, Dad, just remember that we folded tons of laundry while we watched some of those shows. That's true. We often had them do chores while they watched. 
Why? Because we were militant. I was militant. I'd be the first one to admit it. I am a militant. I'm a Christian militant. I'm a Christian fanatic. Because I don't want to see them dead. I didn't want to see them destroyed. Neither did my wife. The devil isn't playing a game. These things aren't a game. They project values. There are characters. There are people on those shows. And like Psalm 1 says, Psalm 1 says, you don't stand with sinners. You don't sit with scoffers. A lot of these shows, they just scoff at God. They just mock at what's moral. They mock at what's right. And I have friends that I know whose kids watched many of these shows. And I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form, this is the only reason. There are other reasons. But it's really interesting for me to look back at some of the habits of individuals children that were my children's age who are not following Christ today. What about the music you listen to? I I met with a young man recently, and a dear young guy, not from here. He's going to be entering uh, high school, and uh, he was just really asking my honest advice, and I can't even tell you what I told him here because it uh, it was very graphic and very raw. I love him dearly, and I was doing every possible thing I could to inoculate him. So I warned him. <clears throat> I won't tell you how I said it exactly, but I'll tell you the gist of it in a sanitized version. I said, uh, young man, you enter high school, the high school that you're going to go to, I know about it. I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. You are incredibly good looking. You're incredibly talented. You will have women that will send you, if you give out your phone, naked pictures of themselves. That's what they'll do. And they'll, have to, they'll ask you to have sex with you. That's what's going to happen. Do not give your cell phone number out at all so that it doesn't happen. You are going to be in the most, besides a strip club, the, the, the average hallway of a high school is one of the most sexually charged environments around. And the testosterone is going, the pheromones are going, and the butts are jiggling all over the place, and the yoga pants are everywhere, and they are going to be surrounding you. Keep your head on straight. And if this gets too tough, do what Joseph did, run. And if one of them comes and says, you, you think, I used to be in choir, I, you know, I sang, and I was in this special group, and there was about 10 of us in the group. This is the kind of stuff that will happen. <clears throat> there was a girl in that class who was very, very attractive, and she was double D. And the big deal in my high school was halter tops. That means no bra, most of it's hanging out. She would grab my arm and press her breast into my arm the entire music class. Now, I wasn't a very righteous man. I am now, and this young man is, and I warned him with ever I mean fire was coming out of my mouth. He thanked me for it, by the way, later. So did his father. So as we're getting done, he says, Mark, can I, can I ask you a question? This is off topic. He said, um, you know what? I, I like music. I like all kinds of music. I like classical music. I like this kind of music. But, but I really like rap music. Not Christian rap, so phony. So, you know, I love Dre and Eminem, and he's going on, and I'm like, I just about... Crossed, went across the table and grabbed him by the throat, almost. <laughs> he asked the wrong guy, baby. You're asking the wrong guy. Rap crap. Let's just call it what it is, okay? I'm not saying, I'm not saying that uh, the music itself, I don't, the music, it is the most vile, degrading garbage out there. And I said, if you're, if you're driving down the road... You, let me ask you this. You want your little brother in the car with you when you're doing it? Well, no. You want your mom sitting next to you? With it? Well, no. And I don't think they even know how much I'm doing. I said, well, there you go. So you're hiding it. 
goes, well, yeah, maybe a little. I said, yeah, a little, okay. I said, <clears throat> I said, let me just tell you, let me just give you the statistics of what's happening in the black community in America today. And let me tell you where the thug culture is being projected and where all the hoes and the bitches are being projected and how they're being referred to that way. And let me tell you what's happened to the black community. So I did. Blew his mind. He had no idea of the statistics. Neither do most of you. It is so denigrating. It is so filthy. It is so vile. It's so dehumanizing. It's not art. It's trash. So I urged him to go home, burn every CD he had. If he has CDs, I said, if you got it on your iPod, get it off. And I followed up because I always follow up. <laughs> and we had a conversation this week about it. I'm not pulling any punches. I'm telling you that if you allow this stuff, whatever it is, whatever kind of music, music's a wonderful gift, but what's the message that's going in your brain over and over? Stop and think. Put your thinking cap on. What's going on with you and the internet? <clears throat> There's some things you probably need to terminate. Some of you here are having trouble with your smartphone. Maybe there's a lot of temptations. Listen, I know you'll probably get laughed at if you don't have a smartphone, but they still have flip phones. You'll still be able to talk to your friends. You won't be able to watch all the stuff that maybe is ensnaring you. Now, some of you don't have a problem at all. That's okay. No problem. But some of you got a real issue. And you need to step back and you need to honestly admit, you know what? This could be heroin. This could be whatever. This could be the Internet. I'm trapped. I need to terminate this. I'm acquiring some very bad habits, some very bad thoughts. It needs to stop. <clears throat> Maybe you have some values and ways of thinking you need to terminate. Maybe there's some spending habits that need to be terminated and money dreams that need to die. Because you've been infected by the culture. By the culture. I want you to think about these things. Really take some time this weekend and step back and look at your life and read the text in the Berkeley Bible, which you'll find somewhere online. They're not easy to come by. <clears throat> and remember those verses. They did not exterminate the nations but they began to associate with them and they acquired their habits and it began to destroy their own life. <clears throat> Lastly, <clears throat> and I'm not going to get into this tonight. Sometime I probably need to. I've been asked to before. There are some fashion habits that you need to terminate. You know, we've, we've completely lost the difference between what's feminine and what's sexual. Today, almost everything that's feminine is sexual. Not everything. Not everything. But you have to really work hard to think carefully about, what, what am I wearing? What do I want to be known for? How do I appear in the eyes of others? And the culture just sweeps you along. We're just kind of in the ocean, and we're just kind of swimming around. Or you live in a double life. You don't even know it. You know how we went, kind of, we stood back, and we were like, wow, what happened to Miley? And this is the last thing I'll say tonight. Sometimes I wonder if God looks down and goes, wow, you're Miley. You don't even know it. What happened to you? What happened to you? Lord, we just ask you tonight 
that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd change our lives. Lord, there's a culture here that's um, killing itself. I've been watching it happen for years. And I'm, if I'm hated for what I said tonight, Lord, you know, even the verses that I read tonight speak to me. I, this is not about me being liked. This is about what's true, Lord. This is about trying to save lives. This is about trying to free young men and women from the tremendous snares and habits that maybe they have acquired in their life. And they need to terminate them. They need to stop them. They need to end them. They need to get rid of them. Help them. Help them not to be afraid. Help them not to be afraid. Who cares? I could care less what anybody, Lord, in the world thinks of me. I could care less. I know what you think of me. I know where I'm going. I know the joy that I experience every day of my life. I want so bad for others to have it. I know the peace that I have in my life. I know the richness that I have in my life. Some days, Lord, I just feel too blessed. Some days I just marvel how blessed I am, how grateful I am, Lord, for what you've done in my life and for what I enjoy because of Jesus Christ. I want others to have it. Help us, Lord, to let go. Help us, Lord, to kill these things. Give us your grace. Give us your wisdom. Give us a longing inside. As Jesus said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled and satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen. You email me. Because I will write you back. I will help you. Some of you may be really struggling with an issue in your life and you want help. And I want you to know that's my greatest joy in my life is to help you. To help you. Thanks for being here today.